Good morning to everybody in the room and to everybody that's watching online. So glad that you have joined us today. We're starting and last week we started a new series. Uh, This is part two of a series that we're calling Something New. I think it's all clear that COVID-19 has changed our life in so many ways and we're trying to get back to normalcy, but it's really not normal. It's really kind of a new normal. So Uh, We're going through a lot of change right now and and change is always difficult. It's always stressful in our life. And so in this series, what I'm I'm, I'm hoping to encourage you to do is uh, a lot of times when we go through change in our life, we tend to focus on the things that we're losing or the things that we lost. And so the challenge for you and I today is in this season of change, what would it look like if you decided that you were gonna focus on the opportunities that growth was giving to you or that change was providing for you today, instead of just focusing on what you have lost. What if you focused on growth in this season? Last week, we looked at the book of Isaiah and we learned that that God in fact is doing something new. And the question that we wrestled with is, are we willing to see it? Are we willing to embrace it? In this series, we're gonna continue to focus our attention on the new thing that God wants to do. But we also know that when God wants to do a new thing, it is going to require us to change. And so we we know that we struggle with change. We know that change is difficult for us. One person told me last week, change is not really hard for me. And uh, I challenged him because a lot of times, the only change that I'm really okay with is if it is my idea. (laughs) If it's my idea to change, I'm all for it. Let's do it, let's go, let's change. But but so often it's out of our control and that's really where the stress and and that's really where the, the, the trouble comes from. And so we know God wants us to grow. We know that's going to require change and change is hard, let's just face it. But growth is necessary. God wants you to grow. He wants you to mature in your faith. He wants you to become more like Christ. He doesn't want you to stay the same. And so because he wants you to grow, that means that change has to happen in your life. And and so as we think through that, we we understand that it's just a requirement for our life if we wanna grow. Um, If you've got your Bibles, we're gonna turn to Luke chapter five today. And as you turn to Luke five, uh, think about a time in your life when you actually tried something new. You remember that uh, opportunity? You remember what you did? I'll give you a couple of mine. I remember uh, many years ago, I wanted to be a a sushi guy. Like like all my buddies, they would go on, like I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday night, and they would go to this sushi place and they would just love it and talk about how much fun it was. And so I was like, I'm gonna be a sushi guy. I wanna eat sushi. I wanna go with my boys. I I wanna like this. And so I show up and they, they say, you gotta get this, this is the best kind. So I get the best kind and uh, I, I, I promise you, I, 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 put, I put the thing in my mouth. It wasn't like a chomp, chomp, chew, hmm, I don't know. It was a intermouth gag. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And since that day, I've tried to like it. I just, I just don't, I'm not a sushi guy, so I'm out. Um, I'll never forget when I tried to wakeboard for the first time many years ago, I was, I was getting crushed. Like, 
Uh, if you've ever done that, like I'm getting up on the water for a second and then bam, I, I, was, I was hitting the water hard, but I was determined. And uh, about that time, there was this pontoon boat that was driving near us. This whole big family, little kids all kind of watching. I was like, I'm doing it this time, man. I am getting up and everybody's watching. So the boat takes off. I get up for a second. Again, wham, hit so hard. My shorts fell off. I mooned the whole boat. <laughs> Terrible memory. Very embarrassing. And so sometimes when we think about doing something new, we're all a little hesitant, aren't we? We're a little hesitant because we've had bad experiences with new things, with change in our life. And so we're kind of like, eh, God, I don't know if I want to do this. But more so than food or a new hobby, I want you to be honest with yourself and ask yourself this question. Do you have enough faith to do something new and do you have enough faith to do it God's way? That's really the question I want you to wrestle with today. But the, the title of the message is Try It God's Way. Because so often we just wanna do it our way. And sometimes what God is asking you to do is something that you're doing, but you're doing it the wrong way. You're not doing it His way. And so we wanna turn our attention to, to Luke chapter five today and really look at what kind of faith it's going to require in your life and in my life to actually try something new and to actually try it God's way. Let's look at Luke chapter five. This is an awesome story here in verse one. It starts off by saying, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, on Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we've toiled all night and took nothing but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. For now on, you will be catching men. I want us to turn our attention now to the faith that is required for you and I to try it God's way to do something that, that God is calling us to do. And, and if you're taking notes, you might wanna write down this first point. This is the kind of faith that's gonna require you to overcome what you know and what you've experienced. Think about it for a minute. If you wanna have the faith to try something new and to try it God's way, you and I are gonna have to overcome the idea of what we think we know and the experiences that we had. So often we lean into what we know. We lean, in, lean into what we've experienced that actually are the motivation for our decisions and how we live our life. 
And if we're only trusting in what I know and what I've experienced in life, then you're not leaning into your faith at all. You're not trusting in the word of God at all. So here's Peter. Um, he's, he's faced with this decision. He's faced with this reality. Um, is he willing to try it God's way instead of his way? And Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to get your, bo- get your uh, boat, get your net, and uh, we're gonna go back out into the deep end and we're gonna fish. Now, why would this be hard for Peter? Uh, why would this be challenging for him? Two reasons. The first reason is because of his experience. He's a fisherman. He knows how to fish. He's been doing this for a long time. Um, he understands what's at stake here when it comes to fishing. As, as a first century fisherman, it's how he paid the bills. It's how he took care of himself and family members. It's how he um, you know, made money. And so if you don't catch fish, you don't have money, you don't take care of yourself, it's a stressful big deal uh, at this time, right? And so he had been fishing all night. They've been toiling all night and they didn't catch any fish. And when you're done fishing, you come in and you have to clean your nets and you've got to fold your nets. Like the nets are the lifeblood of your business. And so you've got to take care of them. If they start to fall apart, then you know, you're out money and it's a big issue. So you got to clean them, you got to fold them up, you got to put them away. And that takes time. So in Peter's experience, when you go through all the trouble of cleaning the net, folding it up, putting it up, you don't want to have to drag it back out and then go back out and fish, especially if your experience all night has been no fish. Like the fish aren't biting today, Jesus. I'm not going back out. Um, Think about it like this. If you're a parent, You've experienced this. You've, you've had toddlers and, and uh, toddlers are messy. And when they play in your living room, they like to drag out all the toys, right? And so if there's been a ap- summer afternoon of playing with all these toddlers, they've got all the toys out. There's stuffed animals everywhere. There's, there's tent blankets, you know, the, the tents you make with the blankets everywhere. And, and uh, you got sippy cups everywhere. And you, got, you got Cheerios kind of spread out everywhere. And, and uh, it's just a mess. And so uh, you put the kids to, 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 for a nap and, and you clean up and it takes you at least an hour and you get it all cleaned and you're like, whew, finally I can breathe. And then one of the little rugrats wakes up and then in they come, right? And they open up that toy box and they want to drag out another toy. And what's your instinct a lot of times as a parent? Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get any toys out. I just cleaned up. Just watch the TV for a few hours like a good little boy. <laughs> just do that for me for a minute. This is the frustration that Peter would have felt, right? He's just spent all this time cleaning up. He's done for the day. And now Jesus is saying, I want you to get your nets back out. And I want you not only to get the nets out and we're gonna go fish, but we're gonna go to the deep end, which which would have really gone against his experience again. Like you don't fish that way. They're not biting You don't go in the heat of the day and you don't go to the deep end, Jesus. It's just not how you do it. So his experience can get in the way and your experience can get in the way of trusting the new thing that God wants you to do. The second thing that is getting in the way is his knowledge. Again, he knows how to fish. You don't go to the deep end. You don't do it in the middle of of the heat of the day. He's an expert. He knows how to fish and it could have kept him from actually 
trusting in Jesus. I can hear him kind of the smile under his breath. Have you ever done this when your wife asks you to do something, guys? I just cleaned the nets, but if this is what you want, right? You know what? We don't have the money, but okay, this is gonna make you happy. I'll do it. You know, kind of talking and mumbling under your breath. I can see Peter doing this. Like there's a, there's a struggle here that we can see in the text and uh, maybe even rolling his eyes a little bit, but listen, apply it to your life. You've been here. Come on, be honest. Listen, this has happened in your life. You, you've allowed what you've experienced and what you think you know to stop you from trusting God. It stopped you from actually trying something new. It stopped you from actually trying it God's way. I know how to be a parent. <laughs> it's easy. You just got to make sure they're alive, right? Feed them. Just, you know, I don't need to do it your way, God. I, I know how to date somebody. Like I've seen the movies. I, I, I've listened to the music. Like I see my friends dating. I know how to do it. I don't need to do it your way, God. I know what to do with my money, Jesus. Like I get it, I know how to spend it, thank you very much. I don't need to do it your way. We do it all the time. Sometimes our experience keeps us from living God's way. We think we already have it figured out. I've already, I've already got this thing figured out so I don't need to trust your word, God. I don't need to follow you know, your plan for my life. I'm just gonna do it my way. Thanks for the advice but I'm just fine right now. And so we miss the opportunity. Some of you have said this to God. You've said, I've already tried it, Jesus. I've already tried it and it didn't work. Your experience has told you that it doesn't work that way. It's too difficult, it's too hard. So you just decided to trust in yourself and to trust your own path. God isn't done though. Just because you've ignored him in the past, he isn't done with you. Just because maybe there is a rough patch in your past, that's true of all of us. That doesn't mean he's finished with you. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean that God is done with you, right? And so based on what we know, based on what we experience, sometimes we lie to ourselves. We miss the opportunities that God wants us to experience. You've heard it said that life isn't about what happens to you, it's how you respond to what happens to you that determines your future success, right? We've heard this before and it's so true. So much of your spiritual growth is going to depend on whether or not you're gonna actually allow your past experiences or your past mistakes to paralyze you from the something new that God wants to do in your life today. It's really, uh, straight from the playbook of Satan's lies. I mean, some of the top lies that some of us are believing from the enemy um, is that you've tried it and it didn't work. Yeah, I tried the church thing, didn't work. Went for a while, nothing changed, so what's the point, right? We believe the lie that you, you, you put in so much work and nothing happened. So what's the point? You, you maybe tried it and then you got hurt Right? There was some pain there, some hurt feelings, some, some deep wounds. And because of those deep wounds, you know what you've decided to do? I'm not putting myself out there again, Jesus. You kidding me? Why would I do that again? Look at how I got hurt, right? We allow our past, we allow those experiences, we allow what we think we know to stop us from experiencing God's blessing and doing something new God's way. But this is what faith is all about, isn't it? Listen, this is what it's about. This is, what about, this is what maturity is all about. 
And it's being able to overcome what you know. It's being able to overcome what you've experienced and have a willingness to put aside those bad experiences, those hurts, those pains, and to be able to grow through them and actually act upon the things that God is commanding and telling you to do today. So don't miss the blessing. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the new thing. Don't let the the past mistakes, the knowledge that you think you have, keep you from following God's path today. And some of you, honestly, if we were honest, that's kind of where you're at. You've let some old things uh, that God has told you to do get in the way of you experiencing the new things. In fact, maybe this is true for you today. God won't do something new until you do something old. In other words, there's, there's something that you know God told you to do, but you've just refused to do it. You know that there's an area of your life where there is sin, where there is disobedience, and you've just refused to do it God's way. You've refused to do something that he's told you to do. And so here, here we are talking about the new thing, and God's like, look, For this particular person, I'm not gonna do the new thing that I wanna do because he or she hasn't done the old thing that I told him to do a really long time ago. Peter says, Jesus, we've been fishing all night. We've been toiling all night. We haven't caught anything. But the text says, circle this phrase, but at your word, I'll do it. Peter says, my past experiences, what I know about fishing, everything inside of me is saying, this is a dumb idea. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna be worth it. But at your word, Jesus, and isn't that what it really comes to? Am I gonna trust the word of God? Am I gonna trust that what he says is actually true? Or am I just gonna do what I think is right? Am I gonna believe how the world is believing today? Am I gonna believe that the, the path of, all of this uh, secularism that's infiltrating our school systems and even our churches and and, and, and politics? Am I gonna believe in all that or am I gonna actually take you at your word and trust that what you say is true? You see, in this story, what Peter demonstrates to us is that obedience comes before the blessing. You obey and then the blessing follows. It's not just, a, okay, I'm, I think I'm gonna do a God or yeah, I think I'll do it. No, 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 it was, it was his obedience that led to the blessing. And I, in that situation, the, the idea and, and the impact of his obedience blesses him like he has never been blessed before. You see, your obedience is, is always gonna come before that blessing. That's why he says, at your word, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to obey. I'm going to do what you have told me to do. And I'm going to live your way. And, and, and when I do that, then I begin to experience those blessings. And too many times we're begging God to do a miracle and we're not obeying him. We're not doing the things that he's already told us to do but we're expecting the miracle. We're expecting God to change a situation. We're expecting God to, to give us that promotion. But God is saying, look, I wanna do that new thing, but man, you still won't follow me in this area of your life. Some of you are here today and you're watching online and it's like, you, you need to listen. It's like, this is where you're at. Am I going to take Jesus at his word 
and follow him. In this situation, Peter's pretty fortunate because he obeys and then he immediately sees the blessing, like the fish hit and come in that moment. Um, But in my summer Bible study, we're doing a study with a group of guys this summer and we came across this principle this past week and and, uh, the principle is about reaping and sowing. And the principle is that we usually reap in a different season than we sow. So if you, if you sow in the springtime, you reap the harvest in the summer, right? And so when you sow, you're gonna reap in a different season. For Peter, you know, his obedience was, was right then and the blessing was right then, that's great. Uh, I hope that happens for me and you more often. But in my experience, uh, so much of my life proves differently. It's, it's I sow in one season and then God blesses me in a different season. And so for some of you, you've got to do the hard work of studying the word of God today. As you sow in that hard work of study and seeking God today, then in in another season, the blessing then is experienced. Some of you need to put in the the difficult work. uh, It takes time to build relationships with people in your small group, right? And so you need to put in that time and energy to build those relationships. And then in the future, you'll experience in a different season that reward, that blessing. Jesus wants you to trust that process and realize that it might not happen overnight. We've got to follow and trust it and believing that it is worth it. Now, as a church, I don't want us to miss that blessing. I don't want us to miss anything that God has for us. And we are in a season of sowing, we're, we're sowing in the season of renovating space. It costs money. It's going to be inconvenient. It's, it's going to be challenging. But as we sow today and put the hard effort of uniting around that vision, then in the future, we're going to see people returning to church, kids coming back to church, the, 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 this place filled to capacity we need space for them. That will be the season of blessing. It sometimes doesn't sound very glamorous to renovate a space for babies and, and toddlers, but it's one of the most important things we could ever do. To connect a young family with the gospel and partner with parents on this journey is one of the most impactful things you and I will ever do as a church. We're creating the soil. We're creating the environments and the culture. And so as we create that and people experience that foundation so that families can grow, we as a church, we water, right? We create environments for spiritual leaders to to be able to help people develop. and, And that's the eternal impact. That's the blessing and reward of us sowing in this season as a church. But each of us, have to be willing to be obedient to that growth. We've gotta be willing to obey before that blessing comes. Think about it like this. If uh, this has happened several times, but you know, you get a, you get a parent and uh, they've got a 16, 17 year old and they show up to church for the first time and they're like, my teenager is a hot mess. Can you fix him? <laughs> Can you fix her? And it's like, well, honestly, at that point, you're in miracle territory, uh, it can happen. Um, you, you, can, you can continue to pray and, and uh, continue to do what you can do, right? I'm gonna encourage you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help and best I can. But, but if I'm obedient when that teenager is actually a baby and I don't just brush off the church thing like it doesn't matter and I take Jesus at his word to train up a child in the way that he should go 
And I recognize that that child needs relationships and needs godly people in his or her life to help in this process. Then I'm gonna show up as a baby. And by the time that baby grows into um, that teenager, their life is completely transformed. You sow in one season and you reap the harvest in another season. Do we have the faith to overcome our past experiences? Do you have the faith to overcome what you think you know and trust Jesus at his word, even when it doesn't look right? Here's the second point I wanna encourage you with today. This kind of faith is a faith that requires repentance and worship in the midst of God's blessing. You know, what I've found is people are more willing to repent of sin and worship Jesus when someone has cancer. They're more willing to repent and worship Jesus when their marriage is in ruin. But how many of us are still on pace and on point with appropriate, consistent, honest repentance and worship in the midst of God's blessing when everything is going great? Here's Peter. He takes a step of obedience. He does what Jesus tells him to do, takes him at his word. They go fishing and the result is a miracle. The result is his nets are overflowing so much so they've got to get a neighbor boat to come over and help them. Their boats are sinking. The blessing is so rich and so amazing. And what does Peter do in the midst of that blessing? He falls at the feet of Jesus and he says, I am a sinful man. I'm not worthy. He's essentially worshiping and he's repenting of his sinfulness before Jesus. And I just wonder how many of us are willing to do that? How many of us have that practice in place of not only worship, but consistent repentance in our life? Uh, Peter confesses his sinfulness. He is worshiping Jesus in that moment. It takes humility and it takes a recognition that God is doing something in my life and this is a good thing and and I'm trusting him and he's the author of this good thing. He doesn't step away from that and say, told you guys, I'm a fisherman, right? That's what I do, right? That's what I do, right? So often when the blessings of God come in our life, it puffs up our ego and we take the credit. It's like, look what I did. (laughs) You turn to your wife and say, I told you, told you, go here, do this, and boom, look at this, right? We try to take the credit. Instead of during the blessing, we've gotta be mindful and spiritually mature enough to recognize and to know that this is all from God and for God and to God. And I continually repent, continually worship him, even in the midst of his blessing. And then finally, this is a faith that requires engagement with the mission of God. If you're gonna do something new, you're gonna do it God's way in your life, then you are going to engage in the mission of God. Here's Peter now being, you know, all this food, all, all of these fish. And the point though is not, look at all these fish that you have now like, that I've given to you, Peter. The point, and I think what Jesus, uh, what he's trying to do is point them to this final statement where he says, now all you're gonna do is you're gonna focus on becoming a fisher of men, right? You're gonna focus on 
the mission of God. Sharing the gospel and leading people to faith in Christ. That's the mission of God. And the point behind this entire story, from now on, you're gonna catch men. Now in verses nine and 10, the guys are astonished, right? They're they're astonished that so many fish have been caught. And when they received so many fish, more fish than I'm sure they've ever caught in the history of their fishing career, they have all of this fish, which, which represents money, more money than they've probably ever had, more food than they've ever had. What do they do when they get this amazing catch? They leave everything, including the catch, to follow Jesus, to spread the gospel. You would think all these fish, kids are going to college. Uh Uh-huh, we're getting a new house. I'm gonna get a new, you know, um, garden. I don't know what first century guys were wanting back then. Um, Listen, they left everything. It'd be like you getting the biggest raise at work, like triple, quadruple your salary, new position, quadruple your salary. And then the Lord's saying, it's time to walk away. Would you be willing to do that? Right at the pinnacle of where you thought you finally made it. And God says, no, I need you to change jobs. It's gonna be a lot less money. Would you be willing to follow him? Would you be willing to trust him? This was truly a miracle. Uh, I think in the first century, you know, when they experienced this, it was clearly a miracle that God did, that, that Jesus did. But I do believe it is a miracle. And I also think that when we, in, in the modern era, now, when we are reading this story, sometimes we're not too impressed. Think about it. You've watched the Discovery Channel with me, right? You've seen these fishing shows. You've seen these nets of these massive, you know, ships collect all of these fish. Heck, you saw Forrest Gump catch all those shrimp. You know what a full net looks like. And it's like, we see it and we're like, eh, okay. We read about it. It's pretty cool. But in this moment, in this amazing miracle, they allow what they have just caught to be really the foundation that truly promotes them and leads them to make one of the most difficult decisions in their entire life. In this moment, it only took a good fishing day for Peter, James, and John to say, I'll leave everything to follow you. Just a good fishing day, that's it. Now, what's it gonna take for you to finally get to the point to where you would say, Jesus, I'll leave anything. I'll walk away from everything I know to serve you, to trust you. Some of you, God's been calling you into full-time ministry. You've been saying no. What's it gonna take for you to finally say, all right, that's enough. I'm giving everything to you. What's it gonna take? Some of you who are in business, you're, you're, you're working in whatever company and, and that whole business, that whole job is just a way for you to take care of your family. When are you gonna get to the point in your life 
where, yeah, this is the, the ministry, the job that God's called you to, but I'm not just here to make a buck. I'm here to influence people. And when I begin to influence people, I'm recognizing that I'm leaving everything because I know it's gonna be risky, but I know I am engaging in the mission of God. I wanna share my faith. I wanna talk about the Lord. I wanna invite people to church. You see, you may not be called to be a pastor, but every single one of us who claim the name of Jesus as our savior, we are called to engage the mission of God. And that means leveraging your business, your relationships, your leadership, to be able to influence people to know and hear about Jesus. And so, yeah, maybe you're not you know, called to be a pastor. You're not here uh, to preach a sermon, but let me remind you that the sermon began today really a long time ago. You see, the sermon began when you had that conversation with a friend about their struggles and you talked about your faith and you invited them to come to church. That's when the sermon began. And the sermon continued when they drove up onto our campus and they saw friendly faces waving at them and welcoming them to this campus and the sermon continued. And when they walked into the, the facility and came to the first time guest tents, the sermon continued because there were men and women there who said, you belong here and we've been waiting for you and we actually have a plan to help you. The sermon continued. It kept going when they checked in their kids because as they're checking in their kids and, and all of these volunteers who were lovingly say, yeah, hey, parenting is hard. We know it's hard, but we're with you. You're not alone on this journey. And we're gonna provide a space your kids are gonna absolutely love. And when you go worship for the next hour, you don't have to worry about them. You just focus on Jesus. Man, the sermon got really good in that moment. And then they walked into this room and the music played and maybe it was music that they weren't expecting or weren't familiar with because it was brand new music that, that God was given to the people of Foothills and, 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 and words that, that he was providing for them to create in this moment, in this time. And, 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 and as they heard those words, they were encouraged and the sermon continued. And then I get to come up and I get to talk for a little bit of time, but it's, it's not a, a new sermon. It's the same sermon that, that you already started days ago, maybe months ago, maybe even years ago. And it's the same sermon that we preach every week and that is Jesus is life. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And it's a, it's a journey that every single one of us get to take together. My part is different than your part. Your part is different than this section's part, right? But we all have a part, we've all been gifted. And I wanna preach that message and I want us to preach that sermon every single week to the lost and broken families, moms and dads, singles, college students, high school students. We wanna be that community that preaches this good news, a, a light on a dark COVID-19 hill that says there is hope. And this thing's not over yet. God wants to do something new. Are you willing 
to have the faith that is required to overcome your past, to overcome what you think you know, to be willing to repent and worship through the midst of good times and yes, even blessing. And are you willing to have the faith that actually engages you in the mission of God? That's what's gonna change your life. That's what's gonna change the lives of the people in this community. And for some of you, you've never taken that first step. Some of you watching online maybe have never taken that first step. You've never admitted like Peter that you're, you're a sinner and recognize that, that yes, before God, your relationship with him is broken with no hope of heaven, with no hope whatsoever of peace in your life. And it's not until you recognize that and actually commit to God that yes, confess to him that I'm a sinner and ask him to forgive you of your sins and believe the reality that Jesus died on the cross so that he could pay for that forgiveness for you. And when you receive that forgiveness, God saves you and you're committing your life to live for the mission of God from that moment on. That salvation comes to you, changes your life. And as that faith in you grows, you are changing lives all around you. That's why we're here today. Maybe you've never made that step. You've never made that commitment. I wanna encourage you in the room to bow your heads. If someone in the room needs to make a decision that just says, hey, I wanna give my life to Christ. If you're watching online, you wanna give your life to Christ, just simply tell him this. Just simply confess. Say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Come into my life, save me today. And from this moment on, my faith and hope and trust is in Jesus. Listen, if that is a heart cry of yours today, I believe that God is saving you. He saved you today. If you're in the room, I wanna know about it. Just simply take your phone and take that camera on your phone, scan that little barcode in front of you on the seat back in front of you. It'll lead you to a form. Let us know who you are. If you're watching online, you can text the number that's coming up on the screen and you can let us know in that way. We're gonna close today with a song that is gonna bless you. Um, and don't leave early, man. The ending is gonna melt, melt your heart. And so that's my prayer as we continue in this series and in this season as a church, that yes, God would do something new and yes, we would do it God's way. Father, we love you. We praise you today. You're changing hearts. You're changing minds all over the room, all over the um, internet as people are watching right now. And Lord, we wanna pray that you would continue to grow that faith, strengthen that faith, help us to trust you as Peter did on that lake that day when everything around us is telling us, ah, I don't know if it's gonna work, and ah, we've been there, we've done that. Help us, God, to have a faith that says, I'm going to take you at your word, Jesus. I'm gonna trust you. Believe in believing that you are doing something new. Bless us as we focus our attention on you in this moment. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.